Proverbs 4.18 says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. You know, if you're an early riser, you get up in the morning and you just, it just barely starts to get bright, you know, not even bright, but the sun starts peeking up. But what happens after dawn? It gets brighter, it gets brighter, and it gets brighter until it's fully lit up. Well, I believe that's several things. First of all, I believe it's the believer. When you get born again, you have a little bit of revelation that Jesus is your Savior and He died for you. So you get a little bit of revelation of that. But as you grow, the ultimate thing that God wants for you and me is for the revelation of who you are in Christ, the revelation of who Jesus is, and it just gets brighter and brighter, and you understand more of his goodness, you understand more of his blessings upon your life, you understand more of his love, and it's just supposed to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Having said that, I believe that's the same picture as for the church. I believe this is the greatest day in which the church has ever lived is today. I don't believe, well, let me just explain this. The church, I believe, is getting, for 2,000 years, the church has gotten brighter and greater and brighter and greater. I don't believe that America's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't believe that things are getting worse. I believe the kingdom of God is being established in our city in Pueblo, Colorado. I believe things are looking up. I believe the life is getting great. And if you don't believe that, you probably need to turn off the news. Because the news, I mean, everything is horrible about the news. There's no such thing as good news on the news. And they know bad news sells. Bad news sells. So if they can make everybody scared... And make everybody think that, ooh, it's terrible. You may, I hope everybody wakes up tomorrow morning. But if you don't, they probably shot a nuke from North Korea. And that's why you're not going to wake up. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. How about you? Amen. We need to believe God. Not only about the good news of the gospel. But you need to believe God about the goodness of God in Pueblo, Colorado. I know somebody told me this past week that it was one of the biggest drug busts in the history of Pueblo. It was either heroin or cocaine or something, something white. I don't know. But uh, it was huge, and, and you know, they were making a big deal about it. And all that, see how terrible it is? I go, no, that's, God's cleaning up our city. That's what I see it. You can either look at something and go, oh, this is so terrible. I go, this is really good. You need to believe God for good things in our city. And you need to believe that Jesus is Lord over Pueblo, Colorado. Not any, there's no devil big enough to take his place. It's your perception. And so I feel like as a pastor of this church, one of my mandates uh, is to change people's perception of God the Father. He's not out, he, you know, people think, you know, that God is in a bad mood. That he's out to get you. God is not in a bad mood. He's never in a bad mood. No matter what you're doing in your life, he, th he only has good thoughts, not only towards you, he has good thoughts about our city. Amen. God thinks really highly of our city. Amen. He thinks good things about it. Yes, he does. And so I believe that things are, and even if you think, oh man, there's so much sin in our city, I'm glad you brought that up. Because the Bible says where sin does abound, Grace 
does much more about it's not just a little bit you know you know it's not like Jesus has one nostril above the water you know like I got it I'm okay I'm better no Jesus isn't treading water he is far above and I'm going to tell you, grace is far above any sin that's going on in our city. The light is greater. Healing is better than sickness. Wealth is better than poverty. The goodness of God is better than any bad thing that the devil is doing. We just got to change our perception and quit letting the world. The world thinks that the church is just weird. You know what I mean? They do. I'm telling you, the goodness of God needs to be preached. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. I believe that it's going to get so bright when Jesus comes back. <laughs> can, you, can you handle this? This is going to be a big I believe it's going to be so great that when Jesus comes back, there's not going to be a lot of difference between heaven and the earth. Just cough it up. <laughs> what, Pastor? I thought it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The church is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. If you want to believe the negative and, and that, well, just go get a concrete barrel underground and get you some Twinkies that never spoil and some... What are those wieners called? Those... Vienna sausages, and have fun with that. I'll be at Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> I'm so funny. <laughs> oh, God is so, it says thy kingdom come, Matthew chapter 6, this is not one of their scriptures, at least I don't think it is, Matthew 6, it says thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One translation says thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven. So you know what? God wants you and me to know. That the will of him in heaven. Needs to be established. In earth. He wants that to be established. That's why I make the comment. That I believe when Jesus comes back. That it's not, he's not going to come down and go. Whoa this is like culture shock. It shouldn't be culture shock for, for his physical body to put his feet on this planet. Nor should it be culture shock that when you breathe your last breath and you leave this earth and you go to heaven, it shouldn't be that. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> Just a thought. Evidently, it's a thought that you've never thought, but it's a thought. I believe God wants you to have victory on this earth. I can prove it. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in Pueblo, Colorado. So what he's saying is, just what Jesus is, that's the way you're supposed to be right now. You say, well, that's not, I don't, it's just not there. Well, you need to change your perception. You need to change your belief system. You need to change your even outlook about God. You have to change because as he is, so are you. So wherever Jesus went, 
He never did have to be concerned about, oh, this is a real sinful place. He never did have to be concerned. There's a lot of sickness here. Oh, be careful whose hand you shake. Something may rub off on you. No, this is, something may rub off on me, on you. It's called healing. Healing may rub off on me, on you. And so, we're so paranoid. I, oh, you may get those germs. Which is greater, sickness or is healing greater? Which one? The, the devil or, or God? His healing power or sin? You know, Jesus never did have to, have to go, oh, you're blind? Oh, whew. give me a minute. He's not some like athlete, you know, about ready to play ball and they got to get warmed up. Jesus, no, man, cold turkey. Oh, people touched him and got healed. He wasn't even giving healing out. People were just touching him and got healed. Let me say this. In the Old Testament, you know, everybody thinks that it contains the Old Covenant. It's not the, all of the Old Testament is not Old Covenant. Neither is all of the New Testament, New Covenant. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus operated under the Old Covenant. Do you realize that he didn't even mention New Covenant until the Last Supper? The last few hours he was on the planet. He wasn't even operating in the New Covenant. He was operating under the Old Covenant. But you know what he was doing? Listen to me now. He was living as an example the way that you and I should live. What does that mean? He says, you come and be part of my kingdom, and this is what your life should look like. What does that mean? Sickness has no authority over you. And we can even go better. You struggling in paying your taxes? Maybe it would be a good day to go fishing. I know that God, He, he always had a cure before the problem ever rose up. So no matter what problem you're facing, the cure's already been established well before you needed your answer. So even when it comes to finances, if it comes to healing, you got to know that Jesus has already got this. He was living as an example how the kingdom should be. Under the old covenant. Are you hearing me? He's saying this is how it should be under the old covenant. Sickness doesn't have authority over you. Poverty doesn't have authority over you. Depression doesn't have authority over you. Anything that is part of the curse in Deuteronomy chapter 20, none of that has authority over you. Even under the old covenant, if you know who you are, you have authority over it. That was his example. And so I believe that we need to have that going on in our city. The fall blast is just a, a, a stepping stone. I believe God wants us to affect our city with the goodness of God. So that the world thinks, Pueblo even thinks, that God is not ticked. You know, he, he's not ticked because, you know, we voted pot in. That, that did not mean that God goes, I'm leaving Pueblo. I've had enough. No, I think he says, <laughs> the devil's really trying to hold on to that city. He has nothing. When they came to crucify him, he said, the enemy's coming and he has nothing on me. He has nothing. What does that mean? You can take your best shot, but when the dust settles, he's going to be laying face down and I'm going to be standing. 
I said that when I was a teenager one time, trying to bluff a guy so he wouldn't fight me. When the dust settles, I'm going to be standing and you're going to be licking the ground. I talked my way out of that one. But anyway, it's amazing what words will do, even if you're five foot five and weigh 110 pounds. <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. Just ignore that. We're going to talk today about covenants. Covenants. There's five covenants that God made. The first one was with Noah. The second one was with Abraham. The third one was with Moses. The fourth one was with David. The fifth one was with actually Jesus representing us. Five covenants in the Bible. And uh, until a few, I don't know when I discovered this, but I just thought it was God and Israel who knew about covenants and making covenants when theologians and uh, historians have discovered that covenant, covenants was part of the culture in many different uh, cultures. The Babylonian, the Assyrian, many, many cultures. It wasn't just the, the Jewish people that had covenants. Other cultures had covenants as well. And so <laughs> the covenant that God made with, with Noah was, and let me just say this, when people think that we're living in some of the worst times, who, who said that? I'll tell you who said that. The news media said that. Obviously, they didn't know the time before Noah, because at the time of Noah, there was only Noah's family was the only righteous people on the planet. One family. One. I'm glad I didn't live in that day. Only one family. So God's, there comes a flood. Can, so you, can you imagine now, Noah, when he gets out of the ark, and a few days later, he's got a barbecue going on, and it starts showering, raining. I don't know about you, but what would your thought be? Mama! Everybody run in the boat, in the boat. Everybody get in the boat. Why? Because you think it's going to do that again. But he didn't think that because of the covenant that God made with him. And he says, I'm going to put this rainbow. You know, you can say, well, scientifically, it's, you know, the rain comes through and the sunshine gets there and it does all that scientific stuff in it. And it makes a rainbow. Yes, but God made it. Amen. So when it starts to rain, Noah, he, all he has to do, he goes, I'm in covenant with God. See the rainbow? So he doesn't get all, his heart doesn't go pitter-patter when it starts to rain. His heart may have done that if there wasn't a rainbow. You know, he, he said that, but man, ooh, this is my point. God will give you something to hold on to, even in the natural realm. You know, I, I know we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. faith. Having said that, your father loves you so much. Yes, we do walk by faith and not by sight. But what I am saying is this. He'll do everything in his power for you to receive something that he's already provided for you. I just thought, man, God is so merciful. He is so merciful. And then he made a covenant with Abraham. He told Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And he says, not only that, your people are going to be taken to a, a, a special place, a promised land. And then through you, all of the people on the planet are going to be blessed because of you, Abraham. Amen. Wow. 
Wow. And let me just say this. Let me back up a little bit. When God made these covenant with these people, now Moses we'll get into next week because that's going to be a whole lesson in itself because his, the covenant, let me just give you a prelude. He made, tried to make a covenant with them and they didn't want the covenant that God made. They wanted a covenant on their level. You need to come next week to hear that. But Abraham, Noah, David, Jesus, none of them brought God down to their level for a covenant. No, they received the covenant that God gave them. And the covenant was not based, where if they receive it or not, based upon their performance or what they could do or not do. It had nothing to do with them. Do you think Noah lived, per, you, know, you remember that whole drunk thing? Yeah. <laughs> Noah got smashed. Yes. He got smashed. I mean, like, silly drunk passed out, you know, and God didn't say, I'm taking the rainbow down. It's over. How many know he didn't do that? How about Abraham. He made a covenant with him, and after he made the covenant with him, he goes up to some king, and, you know, he's chicken little, and he says, is this your wife? No, she's my sister. She's my sister. Sister Sarah. Sarah, say hello to the king. <laughs> he chickened out, so the king says, I want her in my harem just to have her go on upstairs, room 412. That's where I stay. He lied. And he didn't just do that once. He did it twice. Sarah must have been, woo, man. I don't know two women today. I mean, they would have just said, excuse us for one second. <laughs> they would have had a come to Jesus meeting. You know what a come to Jesus meeting is? You hope Jesus comes before that meeting takes place. <laughs> I taught my kids that. I said, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. They said, what's that? You better hope he comes before we have the meeting. That'd get your attention. But anyway, so Abraham, how many of you know the covenant was still good? God didn't take it away. Listen to me. I know that when people, because I talked to God about this. I said, you know, God, what I've been preaching, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that Pastor Mike has no problem, you know, with people just sinning and just living like the devil. And the Lord says, you don't have to worry about that. They're going to believe what they want. But he says, you need to tell them how good that I am. And that's not based upon what they do. It's based upon what I've done. Amen. So, if somebody gets flaky, you were probably a flake before you heard this message. <laughs> and all the church said, <clears throat> and all the church said, Amen. help us, Jesus. Ooh. But then we'll talk about David. God made a covenant with David. He said, out of your seat, he, David wanted to build God a house, a temple. And so God says, man, I appreciate that, David. That is so sweet of you. He may not use those words, but, you know, that's really nice of you. But he says, you know, you've got a lot of blood on your hands. But he says, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to give you a house. And not only that, it's going to be a house that the seed, uh, uh, it's going to come from you. It's going to be on the throne forever. Forever? Ooh. 
forever. He goes, who am I? How? What? Forever. He says, you're going to have, and that king shall last forever and ever and ever. He's talking about Jesus. Coming from you, David. (laughs) Four chapters later, David commits adultery and premeditated murder. Just four chapters later. You think, wow, I'm glad none of us are God. Because we would have came down on David, and we wouldn't have slapped him. We would have just said, I'm going to suck your guts right out of you and get somebody else. Okay, it just turned to PG-13, but you know what I mean. God does not think like you and I think. That if somebody does us wrong or something that doesn't happen, we go on some kind of naughty list. Did you know the covenant stayed intact between God and David? He didn't take away. He did not take it away. We're going to talk about that. And then he made get into the New Testament and he makes a covenant actually through Jesus. He knew man, you know, man just keeps messing up. So he says, I'm going to do both sides of the covenant on this one. In Hebrews it says it's a better covenant with better promises. And he did it a better way. He bypassed man as far as sinful man. He used Jesus as the other side. You know, it takes two, two partners. You know, so you got the higher one, God. And so he says, I'm not even going to choose man. I mean, sinful man. I'm going to choose another man. I'm going to choose a perfect man to fulfill this covenant. So it's a perfect covenant between God and Jesus the man. Mm. God is so smart. He knew if he picked me or you, we messed up. We wouldn't even have made it to the, to the cross, to the covenant thing, that whole thing. We says, well, you know, I gave it my best shot, which would not be very good. But so he picks Jesus. He has the whole plan set in place. And so now for us to be, how is that covenant going to affect us? How is that covenant going to affect us? That we can be heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. He says, this is all you have to do. You believe Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So in other words, you step into Jesus, and now you're in covenant with God because Jesus is in covenant with God. So it's not based upon Mike. It's not based upon what I can do or what I cannot do. It's based upon, do I believe that what Jesus has done, has done, That covenant that he has with God, I get to be a recipient of it just by becoming one with him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So I become one. Jesus and I become one. And what does that mean? I get all of the covenant. Everything. Do you realize the sacrifice... (laughs) Sacrifice where they did in the old covenant, they just slit the, 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 the throat of the animal. The sheep, the goat, now all the animals, they just slit the throat and it spilled its blood and they put that on the mercy seat. <laughs> I didn't say this in the first service, but why didn't Jesus get his throat slit and just shed his blood that way? Would your sins been forgiven? Yes, they would. Shedding of blood, all of your sins would have been forgiven. 
But he didn't just get us shed the blood. He wanted more than just the forgiveness of sin. By the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. He that is on the cross becomes cursed and bears the shame. So Jesus, oh, he got it all figured. It's a total package deal. He didn't just spill his blood. I mean, you don't have any example in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, you know, of a sheep, you know, them just beating a snot out of it and getting a whip and beating it. No, it Oh, the hug a tree people would have been upset. But anyway, it, no, that didn't happen. They just slit its throat. You know why? Because Jesus was going to make sure he took care of everything, which would be healing, having all of your needs met, which would mean peace, tranquility, joy, happiness, patience, all the fruit of the Spirit. He says, I'm going to take care of everything that you will ever need in this life. How are you going to be a precipitant of that? You're just going to step inside of Jesus and become one. You do that when you get born again. The old man dies. You get born again by becoming one. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. You become one with Jesus. You're one spirit with him. You come in covenant with God Almighty because of Jesus. You and I couldn't do anything. What could we do to get in covenant with God? Nothing. He says, Jesus is going to do it for you. There's a story of um, Livingston and Stanley. You know, Livingston, the great missionary in Africa. They were concerned about him because they haven't heard from him in a long time, so they sent Stanley to go fetch him. So Stanley's in Africa, going through the jungles, have no cell phone towers whatsoever to find this dude. So he's looking for Livingston, and all of a sudden they come across this African tribe that was scary and that would probably want to eat them. And so uh, one of his fellow workers says to Stanley, said, you should cut a covenant with him. Covenants are strong. Africa, they know about covenants. America, we, we, we don't know much about covenants. So they did. This is the chief. And so what they would do, they would cut, you know, their, their hand and, I mean, where it's blood's coming. It's got to be running, you know what I mean? And then they took gunpowder, this is what the story says, and rubbed it in the cut. Do not do this at home. But anyway, and they rubbed it in the cut, and why would they do that? So it would make a scar. Yeah, I would not have any covenants whatsoever. Anyway, but it did that so you could, they could tell it was a specific cut, so you could tell that each tribe had their own marking. And so and then the chief gave him his spear. So Stanley's going through, trucking through the, the jungles of Africa and going through the highways and the byways. And another African tribe comes up, and I guess they want to eat Stanley too. He must have looked good. I don't know. But anyway, and so what all he did is he held his hand up that showed that he was in covenant with so-and-so tribe and had a spear. And so that tribe goes, what can we do for you? They knew about that tribe, that it was a powerful tribe. When you become one with Jesus, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says you become, go ahead, I didn't give you that scripture. If you want to pull that up, 1 Corinthians 6.17, I believe it's 6.17. 
and First uh, Corinthians. But when you become one with Jesus, how I many know He died for you? But also, when He was resurrected, He still had piercings in His hands. He still had the side, you know, because He told Thomas. You remember the story of Thomas? Thomas says, "I will not believe until I see." And so he said, Thomas, look, put your hand into my side. I got a hole still there. But he who is joined to the Lord, in other words, you're born again, is one spirit with him. So do you understand what that means? Mike does not inhabit the right side and Jesus habits. No, we become one. You can't tell us apart. One. You can't tell us apart. Why is that important? Well... I didn't give these scriptures in the first service. Why don't we give them to you real quick? Do you have uh, Psalms 1, 141, 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The old covenant, it also says in Timothy, lift up holy hands everywhere. Why is that it's so important to lift up holy hands? Well, I know that you probably know that uh, you lift up holy hands, first of all, in reverence to God. You're given reverence and honor to God. You also lift up hands as surrender to God. You know, if somebody sticks an AK-47 in your back, the first thing you might want to do is lift up your hands. What are you saying? I surrender. Uh, this, whatever you want, I'm here. Um, my hands are up. I surrender. So that's part of lifting up holy hands. But I believe there's a part that the church uh, that I believe is more important than any of them. And that is this. How many know that when Jesus comes and becomes one with you, he brings his pierced hand becomes my pierced hands. His pierced side Becomes my pierced side. Not physically, spiritually speaking, I have pierced hands. In the spirit realm, you and I have pierced hands. In the spirit realm, you've got a pierced side. Your feet have been pierced. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So if his spirit, he said, Peter, I mean, uh, Thomas, look, my hands, my side. Why is that so important? Because when you're worshiping God, if you're going through a difficult time, if you think the devil is just trying to eat your lunch, if you think all hell is breaking loose in your life, that may be a good time for you to lift up your nail-pierced hands to the devil and say, I'm in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may want to just think about that before you attack this because you're not attacking me. You are attacking all of heaven and Jesus and what it represents. Oh, lifting up holy hands everywhere. It just makes you want to say, hey, devil, you want a piece of this? Come on. Okay. Because you're not just messing with Mike. You're messing with the Holy Ghost. You're messing with the Godhead. You're messing with Jesus. You're messing with all of the angels in heaven. And all the power and authority that's been given unto him is in me. And I have the nail-pierced hands to prove it. Why? I'm in covenant with him. I'm in covenant. It's been cut. You know, they had to cut the covenant. Well, Jesus cut the covenant. And he's got the scars to prove it. And he says, man, I'm going to become one with you. So now, just like Stanley, all the African tribes coming against him, and just don't even have to do anything. I just wave. And they go, safe travels. Safe travels. Why well, he's in covenant. If you don't know that, if you don't believe that, 
then you're just going to try to fight the devil. First of all, he's a defeated foe. Let me just back up and say he's a defeated foe. But if something's coming against you, you just need to say, let me just show you something. I know I'm in covenant with God. There is a rest, what we're teaching on Wednesday nights. There is a rest in knowing that I don't have to fight him. There's been somebody who's before me 2,000 years ago who fought him, and not only fought him, he defeated him. And the victor is living on the inside of me. And so when I forget that, I just go, ooh, I can wake up early in the morning and go, thank you, Jesus. Oh, that the battle has been won. I'm in covenant with you, God. I'm in covenant with you. You won't even have to take authority over the devil. You know, all these people, they, it got real popular about 10 or 15, 20 years ago, this spiritual warfare. We're going to get spiritual warfare. We're going to fight the devil. One ministry, this is sad, they rented an aircraft to fly 30,000 feet up in the air to fight the spiritual principalities in, in the air. I wish they would just send that money to me instead of. It was just a waste of money. I'm sure their heart rate got up, and maybe if it was a good jet, it may have been fun. Maybe they had Chef Boyardee on the plane. I don't know. But anyway, it was just a waste of money. Well, I don't have to fight spiritual warfare. The only spiritual warfare you have to fight is between your ears. It's not between the spiritual realm. He's defeated. Why would I want to be? I would be like the Houston Astros trying to go to play the Dodgers again and say, well, we just want to make sure. (laughs) Nobody on the Houston team is going to go, no, we're world champions. I got the trophy. We defeated you. Here's the trophy. We won. I got the paycheck even. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him, through Jesus. I'm not going to fight the devil. Why would I want to? I've already won. I've already won. I've got the scar to prove it. I've got the covenant to prove it. I have won. Not trying to win. I have been healed. Not trying to get healed. I am prosperous. Not trying to prosperous because of him. So you just need to remind yourself. And it would be good to raise your hands and say, thank you, God. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that good? You just need to remind yourself, we need to get a different perspective. You're not struggling. You are resting. I'm resting in the fact of what Jesus has done for me. Amen? Let's stand.